Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having us back again. Good to see you guys. Um, so this is Altheus Minerals Corporation. My name is Brian Dalton. I'm the CEO. I've been for 24 and a half years right now. Uh, what Altius Minerals is, is a royalty company that's focused on the not the precious metal side, that's the differentiator, base metals, bulk commodities, and increasingly power generation coming from renewable energy sources. So we have a number of royalties that uh, pay us from copper, iron ore, potash, renewable energy projects that um, in, in many ways are all linked together around the, some of these growing sustainability thematics. So we think we have a lot of tailwind behind us for most of the types of commodity exposures that uh, that we have in the company on behalf of the shareholders that are going to benefit in coming years with those trends and thematics really build. Hi, Brian. Good to see you again. We think we had you back on here when uh, back back in May. Uh, just wanted to catch up with regards to what, what's happening in the market. It seems that maybe your strategy is finding its feet and its time in the market. Precious metal royalty companies have come off. What's your thoughts on why that may be? Yeah, I mean, obviously, inflation is alive and well, and we've got these commodities that are actually going to be real beneficiaries of all of that. Uh, it's been, you know, mostly sideways throughout the year since we spoke last. It was a big run-up in the commodities that were exposed to early on. Some of those, you know, kind of went sideways and even down over the course of the years. Others, like potash, so just continued to roar ahead. Yeah, our revenues continue to build, and... Uh, great noise and things coming out of the operators that hold our royalties around plans for expansions and new builds and those sorts of things within the portfolio. So, you know, the thing about our story is that it's not meant to change a lot. This is a long-term plan and it's playing out. All good. Yeah, it's all good. You know, around seven hundred million. Yeah, sure, it's all good. And you know, I do want to talk about the growth component, not not just in terms of in terms of revenue, but in, you know, M and A activity and what you're seeing out there. But just, just let's just stick on what's happening in the royalty space. There are a lot of new entrants in the space, and they're mostly looking at precious metals. Are there too many of them? Yeah, I think everyone would agree that there certainly on the precious metal side that there's too many players they're competing for um, too few assets quite frankly you know assets or the kinds of assets the precious metals guys look for have for the most part over the last number of years come out of base metal developers who've gone on to sell precious metal streams and so that's been you know it's put a lot of product in the market and it's it's uh, fueled a lot of m a and growth there but even there like the, the base metal developers that might have a byproduct precious metal stream aren't feeling the same need i don't believe to 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 put streams in place because they've got other sources of capital available to them you know it's stronger market conditions so there's market sources and and cash flow I mean, these producers are just printing money right now they are they are printing money um but in terms of companies like you you need to find new ways to lend your money out or give your money out in return for something whatever whatever you construct so it's a case of um do these new royalty companies need to repackage how they're describing this, you know, royalty is a bit of a paper. It's a bit of paper. You guys agree the terms under which you're going to give the company the money. Do they need to just maybe change the market slightly? Because royalties and streaming used to be a new innovative product at one time. Is it time for change to allow these guys to survive? It depends. All things come around. These are cycles and it's just not a great time to be buying right now because 
again, the sellers aren't in any kind of real stress and, uh, and, and plus there's just so many entrants competing. So I think there's a few things that fix things. One is just the market will do its thing and there will be an opportunity again when, when uh, that royalty and stream financing looks more attractive maybe than it does today and consolidation. There's just too many of these players competing. With they are, they, that shrinking pool of assets. They, they are. It's a shrinking pool of assets. Well, it's a shrinking pool of good assets. There's always mm-hmm. stuff out there which is looking for money which perhaps doesn't deserve money, That which was perhaps another discussion for another day. But um, how do these companies increase their likelihood of survival? You've been at this 24 and a half years, right? These guys are new. A lot of people sort of saw what was happening end of 19, most of 20, said, you know what we can do? Royalty coming. Never done it before. It'll be fine. Um, you need sustain you need to be able to sustain that story you need to keep your costs low you need to buy smart you need to borrow cheap is there anything else that these guys can do or is just MA inevitable you know there's some of the new players that i think are doing some innovative things longer term and they're you know they're they're backing earlier stage projects and um, generating their own projects and selling them on for royalties you know, I'll sell our book a little bit. One stands out in our minds is a company called Origin. Has been, you know, willing to take that longer road to build up the business. And um, you know, that really it, it is what it takes. But every now and then, of course, there's that point when your capital is really attractive, and of course, you move and you buy and you buy and you buy. But there's a lot of times, in my opinion, anyway, when Doing nothing is the right thing to do from an M&A perspective. And then you go to work and you, you know, work on longer term, slower build up type processes. But not everybody has that kind of patience and they haven't the shareholder base that had that kind of patience. So I, I still see lots of consolidation amongst the small players. Uh, in some cases, maybe the bigger boys will, will, will scoop in and grab up some of the, the, the better ones that have emerged. But, the number of royalty companies that are out there today in precious metals, I think it'll be significantly lower in two. Wow, that, that's a, that'll be a quick turnaround. Um, let's okay, may, let's see, observe, and sort of sit back and sort of see how that thing, that plays itself out in 2022 um, in terms of their ability to generate revenues, or at least talk about near-term revenues. Better, better talk about you guys. Um, it's been a, been a good year in terms of cash and attributable uh, cash uh, revenue for you guys. Um, your your commodities, the, the copper, the potashes, these green uh, metals and, and minerals that you are have invested in, that's playing out because the thematic that you're walking into now is on your side. Um, do you envisage doing placing more money, you know, doing more, either seeing either through because there is a need for M&A, being able to place more cash as a result? Not everywhere. On the mine commodity side of things, we don't see a very productive environment. We're poised and we're ready and we're looking at innovative things and, and neat technical situations where we might have an edge. But again, it's just, um, there's a, there's cheaper, easier forms of capital available other than ours at the moment, and we're not going to sacrifice quality or returns. You know, we've been at this for 20 years, 25 years, or whatever it's been, not to go blow it up just because the market gets hot. We know the day comes that, um, you know, we'll be, we'll be uh, a first call again. We're not right now. So that's fine, because the other side of that is these good conditions that mean 
our capital isn't that attractive, the same good conditions are motivating the operators of, of company of assets that we hold royalties on to look to invest in their projects. So they're going to go ahead now with, you know, and Copper's trying to make a new high today, potash is tripled in, you know, in a year and, and these sorts of things. So they're going to invest in growing their assets. And that's great. They're going to pour piles of money in. They're going to spend capital. They'll grow production rates. We hold the royalties. We'll be the beneficiaries. We'll never get a cash call. And that's fine. Like, that's great. That's what happens at this part of the cycle. The growth comes from what the work we did in the last down cycle. So, and we'll be ready for the next one of those. We're really busy on the exploration side as well, generating new projects. So that keeps us it keeps us busy, it keeps us out of trouble in some ways because we don't get too bored. We've always got lots to do at Altius every every part of the cycle. Um, yeah, so the one exception though to that would be on the renewable side. There we are deploying. When I say us, I mean, Altius Renewable Royalties was spun out back in March, just, be just before we spoke. Up to that point, Altius Minerals was directly funding its growth. Now it's its own public company joint venture with Apollo, so it's raising its own capital. We're a 60% shareholder, and you know, I'm the CEO of that business as well. Um, so on that side, there has been tremendous growth. That company has, since we spoke last, grown its portfolio of royalties from, I think it was around 1,000 megawatts back then under royalty, and it's over 3,000 now. There's been well over 100 million U.S. deployed, five royalties now that will be cash flowing in 2022. We expect ARR, in fact, to be cash flow positive in 2022. And again, if we spoke in May, that would have been a year later. So things are just, capital is deploying faster. Adoption of the royalty model in the in the renewables energy space is, is taking hold pretty quickly here. So that, long answer, but yeah, we're not seeing a lot of room to deploy on the mining pure mining royalty side, but uh, we're incredibly busy indirectly at the renewable side. Lots of lots and lots of uh, work to be done there and lots of capital to deploy with. Okay, well, let me let me, let me come back to that side because I'm, I'm kind of really intrigued by where renewables goes, okay? But I just want to, want to sort of stick with the with this company uh, and how you, what the future looks like, okay? Because um, you've got this green portfolio and you said it's kind of, anti-inflationary in a way, right? And I think in, in, in a large, large way, so are royalty companies generally, more generally, uh, yours, I guess, even, even more so here. But you have now got a gold royalty. Mm -hmm. is it, is this, are we seeing a change in strategy? What we're not doing is trying to jump into the precious metal space. That royalty that we hold is on a project called Silicon, so that's starting to really ramp up. Uh, it's operated by Anglo Gold Ashanti, and they've recently come out and basically messaged that they've made a pretty meaningful discovery there. They've taken over a neighboring company to our project to try to consolidate things, and they're talking about a first resource estimate later this year. Um, I can only speak to rumors, but it, it, if, if they're even close, it's a big deposit. And we happen to have a royalty on it, but that goes way back. That comes out of our project generation business. That goes back to an old funding arrangement uh, to the original junior that put the project together and ultimately optioned to Anglo. So it's a re it's a retained royalty that costs pennies essentially. 
it's just working out. So we happen to find ourselves with a goal. We're, we're still focused on base bulks, power generation, but we happen to find ourselves with what hopefully proves to be a, a very meaningful gold royalty. Right. So, so that's, but that's Anglo Gold Ashanti are going to do a, what, a, a maiden resource on the other property which they've just acquired or the project which you have or the asset that you have a royalty over? So the project is called Silicon and that's in Nevada. So that originally came from the company that we funded and we hold a royalty on. So what we what they've said is they've made a, depo- a discovery of a deposit there called Silicon right on that main ground with the royalty on it. But they've also made another discovery called Merlin in the south part of the project. So both within our royalty lands. That Southern deposit straddled their property boundary, went on to lands held by another company. So they just bought that company. A pretty meaningful transaction. So Anglo Gold just bought um, Corvus Gold. And as part of that, it's a big big cash outlay. As part of that, obviously, they're, they're starting to talk to their own shareholders, Anglo Gold, about what this is all about, why they're spending all this money. Um, so yeah, the first maiden resource will come out on the Silicon deposit which is right in the center part of the property. The Merlin deposit in the southern part of the property is the one that's contiguous with the company that just took over. I'm not entirely sure if they'll have a resource estimate on that at the end of the year or not. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. I guess we have because we have discussions with um, companies which have had royalties on parts of the property, which um, means that they think about the order of play for them. But you know, at this stage, it's a bit early for Anglo to be talking about how they're going to mine this out. We're, we're only talking about a maiden resource at this point. So at some point down the line, you'll 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 begin to understand the, the scale of the opportunity and potential revenues for you. Got it. J- just in terms of the uh, th- things like. Um, you know, like you say, potash and, and copper is prices going through the roof. Nickel, all, all the battery metals are are going through the roof. Um, how does that affect the way that you tell your growth story? As you say, so from the middle of the year, you kind of tracked sideways. The market's been a bit funny with mining, despite the ever-growing delta between s- supply and and demand on most green uh, metals and materials. Because um, you, you've got to tell a growth story. You, 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 what I've heard from you today is it's a timing thing. We're not going to go and blow our brains out and overpay. Um, that's the way, the best way to kind of play this out. So are, what, do, what do investors or shareholders and investor, potential investors need to be looking at as far as you're concerned? Increase in revenue? Is that, is that your growth story? M&A doesn't really, is not really the thing that we should be demanding or expecting from you? Well, in the near term, I think... It is, you know, you can track the revenue just as a function of the higher commodity prices that we're exposed to, but that's a still a relatively short-term game, and it's probably what, you know, our share price through the summer would look like the copper price. So that's, that's pretty straightforward. But the things to look for, the catalysts, the things that get me excited, are when I go through the quarterly reports of all of the operators, and there's a... Uh, an expansion study that's coming out next year or Adventus where we hold a big uh, position and a royalty on their Curry Pamba project. They've got a feasibility study coming out this quarter. So just a whole bunch of that kind of noise, which will be the signal for um, just asset level growth, investment by the operators. And it's longer term. It will go to our net asset values. That'll, that'll start to creep in. And in uh, I believe within this cycle and in, with many cases, it will actually translate into additional levels of production, new mines built and mines expanded within our portfolio. And it's all free. 
It's every bit of it is free. We don't write another check. It's done. It's the very best kind of growth. It, it, it is. M&A, we'll see from the, on the renewable side, that's just, that's just going to keep going. That'll, we'll keep buying royalties through ARR there on that side. But on the mining side, it's, it's all going to come now from just those super high quality assets that we invested in during the down cycle that are making beautiful margins, have big resources so they can support expansions. And this is when it happened. Big dividends? Uh, we increased our dividends since we saw you last. So that was, uh, at that point, it was 20 cents a share. It's gone up now to, we increased by 40% to 28%. We've remained active on our buybacks. So through some of those summer doldrums, we were very fortunate to be able to buy back a nice additional chunk of the company. Uh, so, you know, returns of capital in this environment are, you know, I think what investors should expect. To me, it's ironic that, you know, when things were in, when we were in, when we were in the big downturn of 15 and 16, that's when all the big majors, you know, got this new religion and they were all about returns of capital, returns of capital. Uh, when ironic, you know, that was the time to be deploying capital, let's face it. And now that we're here with all these, you know, with, with everybody doing well and generating bigger margins, the narrative shifting to now we're all going to jump in at the same time and compete for all the same services and everything else. And we're all going to go building mines together again. Nothing ever changes. It's always the same. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's only right. And thus it has always been. But you are the kind of the inverse of what they do, because you say right now, while you've got cash, you can afford to increase your dividends, but it's not the right time to deploy cash. So you won't. And I understand that. So let's let's pop back into the renewable side of things um, with what what's going on with ARR because um, that's potentially one of the most exciting parts of this. You get six percent shareholder of a, Apollo as a as a partner and and their balance sheet as a partner. Um, what you, okay? You've gone from a thousand megawatts to three thousand megawatts. But what what are you wanting to do with that business now? Now that you've seen what's what you're capable of doing. Do you, do you ramp it up? Can you ramp it up? Oh yeah. No, the, the job at ARR is to build scale as fast as possible to continue to seize on a big first mover advantage that we, we have. A major change that's happened there. When we spoke in May at the time of the IPO, we'd funded two developers. We couldn't find returns. Like we were competing with capital and renewables that were willing to accept lower returns than we could manage. And the way we got around that or overcame that was we started to fund the developers, so pre-production stage projects, where capital was, you know, there wasn't so much capital available and we could get the kinds of returns we needed. Longer paths, right? You fund a developer, they sell the project on to a big player with our royalty attached, and then you've got a couple of years for it to build out before you start to get cash flow. So a slower build-up, but at least we were getting the kind of returns that we were seeing. Um, the code that I guess the group there has cracked since then, is we found ways to fund later stage projects now. So the last two deals that ARR has announced, one with a group called Long Road Energy and another with North Leaf Capital Partners that have brought us in for cash flowing royalties. Uh, we've inserted ourselves right into the capital structure of operating stage projects and we're still getting our returns. And the reason for that is There's been a little bit of a shift. 12 months ago, anyone building a renewable energy project was going to hedge out all their production, like lock everything down under long-term power purchase agreements, 
those sorts of things. So it was, you know, a match made in heaven as far as, you know, sort of annuity type investors, pension funds, those sorts. So you could put a lot of leverage on these on these projects. Well, power prices have been increasing pretty substantially. I'm sure, you know, from where you are to, you can really you can really speak to that. And now all of a sudden, that idea of hedging everything doesn't seem as sexy anymore. Um, and you're seeing this growing desire amongst the builders and the operators to have at least a component of their output not hedged, exposed to market forces. But that's alienating that pension fund type money. Right? They want that annuity like bond, everything locked down, bond like. So there, there's a need for more equity or equity-like funding in the capital structures once you make a decision that you're not going to hedge everything. And that's where we've been able to find a, a way to work. So we're, we're using royalty capital to sub for the equity component of those capital structures. And it's pretty exciting. We're still in our return band, but it changes everything as far as addressable market goes, because now every, every project, not just ones that are in concept and development, but everything that's in construction, everything that's already operating suddenly becomes part of our addressable market. Pretty huge game shift there. We deployed $200 million US so far in that business alongside of Apollo. Apollo just come through the earning as well. And they invested with us. They had a, just over a year ago, I think it was an anniversary was this past Wednesday. Uh, so they had 80 million US to invest, earn half the business, half interest in the joint venture. And I would have thought that was 18 months, two years out. We did it in less than a year. Uh, so now, you know, it's everything there is just moving faster than we'd imagined because adoption is taking place. The renewable energy sector overall, all of a sudden is like, they know what royalty funding is. We're not having our initial call being like, you know, what the beep is a royalty. It's like now it's tell us about that royalty structure you've got. So, it's pretty so, fun and an amazing thing to be part of. Yeah, absolutely. But it's, it seems the, I mean, the, the big idea there is like, let, let's not compete up, up, up at the top of the big boys. Let's just go down to the development stage. It takes a little bit longer, but we'll get a bigger bite of the pie. That's the smart bit here. But in terms of the market, energy market as a whole, you're right. Energy prices going up across the board. We, we see it across uh, Europe, clearly Africa. But also there's a big narrative going around about, you know, baseload energy versus you know, re renewable. We're seeing the big, the nuclear of, of recent times making a big resurgence in terms of the, what governments are talking about. Coal-powered fire stations perhaps may not be, um, you know, flavor of the month, but they are still needed because there's a gap yeah. here between old energy and new energy, as that's where some people will look at it. And renewables, although it's it's people say, do you know what? Renewable energy, I'll pay, I'll, I'll pay more for renewable energy. What they've seen recently is that potentially that's going to be significantly more than, the, than they imagined here. So do, are, you, are you seeing in the North America uh, uh, you know, energy space a sort of resetting around the way that people re review, uh, sorry, um, uh, look at renewable energy? Because it, it, you know, obviously Biden's administration is very pro, you know, big green, big green uh, agenda that they've got. They're very pro it, but you know, we saw in Texas, we've seen all around the world, you know, when nuclear switches off, perhaps it's 
it's it's not such good news for these countries. So has that changed the 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 the, the fiscal environment in which you you view renewable energy and the opportunities ahead? There's a lot of things going on. Like the narrative even 12 months ago would be that the cost of generating power from renewable sources was going to fall because it had been falling for a decade, right? Um, big technological advances and those sorts of things. So the idea was that power from renewables would just get cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And, and therefore subsidies would stop, right? That that was the big the hope, yeah. right? Yeah, and you know, in many cases they have. It, it does compete very well. I mean, it outcompetes. It certainly outcompetes when gas is at $5 in the US. Renewable power is by far and away the cheapest on the grid. But there are cost pressures in the renewable side of things as well. What are these things made of, right? It's steel, it's copper, um, wages are going up. It's not getting easier to get lands from farmers because guess what? Farmers are making a lot of money planting crops. So they don't want, like there's land use pressures that are building. They're all really inflationary. And I suspect may even overcome the, the benefits of you know technological improvement in the equipment, which has driven the falling cost. These other forces have certainly leveled that out, if not even started to reverse it. Uh, but it's also true of all the other generating sources. Right? So if you're buying, if there's a gas plant, you've got to, still got to build a big plant out of steel and copper and everything else. Plus now you've got to buy that fuel. So just bigger picture, I just feel very bullish about power prices, more broadly speaking, right? So. I'm really excited about the fact that these operators are coming away from hedging everything and are wanting to say, look, we should have some more market exposure here. Now, the big traditional funders are freaked out about that because that's not what they're signed up for. What market prices? Like, are you crazy? We don't do, we don't do that. But for us, it's, it's created the opening because we can walk into those sponsors and say, you know what? We'll be your partner on that project and we're very fine with market exposure here. This is, we're not going to use less Renewable energy, we're going to use more. But it also goes to things like that baseload need. Yeah, I, nuclear has a role in that. It's got its challenges. I don't know if the ESG investors of the world have gotten there yet. And, and I'm certainly not seeing lots of capital deployed building new reactors. But scientifically, it makes sense to me. Um, batteries, storage, every project that we're seeing comes through the pipeline now from these renewable energy developers that we back. Two years ago, Nothing, no storage. Nothing gets proposed right now without a storage component, right? So that it's taking care of itself. Um, renewables will have more of a base load or less. That base load issue goes away the, the minute you build more storage. The minute you put more electric cars on the grid, which actually act as batteries to suck up this stuff on off peak hours, all of this fixes itself like it does. It takes time. But still, I think there's only one direction for for power prices. Well, unfortunately, you're right. It, it, the, the, you're, unfortunately, you're right. The, the, the energy prices are going up, and I, I don't. You may want to hear that you're producing lots of energy, but as a consumer, that's kind of kind of unnerving. And I just wondered, you know, it, 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 I like I like what you said there in terms of where renewables kind of fits in the mix. And you know, if people are talking about the language of long life storage batteries, VRFB or, or lithium iron or wh wh whatever the solution may be. And the fact that, yeah, good point, cars will be soaking up a lot of this energy w will help in terms of the distribution of of this energy. But it's a big problem that lots of governments need to fix. But I think 
like great renewables is is here to stay and hopefully lots of capital needed in transmission as well because you Absolutely. know this is a more distributed source of power it's coming but and the investments need to happen like there's real inflation in, in all of these things and then that copper that's needed to make all that transmission and all that renewable infrastructure come to the market for all these electric vehicles to come well it's driving cost structures at the mines, right? So there's inflation back behind that the frontline inflation that everybody sees. Royalties love inflation. We get the benefits of any prices that increase in reflection of the higher cost structures without the cost structure. And I just, when I think about Altius, you know, we're out at the front lines with the renewable energy side of things. And then I hear, I'm talking to the developer and they're like, you know, oh man, those turbine prices are certainly going up that copper, you know, what do you think of lithium prices? We're thinking about a battery and I'm just sitting there and I'm thinking, Oh, Oh, we happen to have copper royalties. Well, guess what? We're heavily invested in a new private company that's bought up four or five really high quality lithium royalties. Um, you know, I just feel like we're covered every way we turn here for what's going on. And in, in, yeah. And come on with the inflation. Love it. Sorry, consumer, but buy some Altius to hedge yourself. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.